Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, if it, do tell me because my back is to the bison. If a if bison come up. comes up to the fence, <laughs> let me know and then we can give them the lightning round. Okay, sounds good. We, I think they're going to go for a classic movie. You think so? You don't think San Andreas <laughs> no. is the... I think a Hitchcock. Bison favorite. Where do you think the bison go for a stiff drink? <laughs> What's around here? Probably Kizar Stadium, right? Okay. Or Kizar Pub, sorry. Yeah. Kizar Pub. I was going to yeah. say Hockey Haven, but oh, we have solid. we have your expertise here. We're going with Kizar <laughs> Pub. They might do a pub crawl. You just heard me and Heather at the Bison Paddock in San Francisco with Western Neighborhoods Project's Executive Director, Nicole Meldahl, talking about how the bison would answer the total SF lightning round. Heather, where do you think the bison's favorite place to get a burrito would be? Well, I'd be happy to take them to La Corneta, but that's kind of far for them to come unless maybe they hop on the 44 O'Shaughnessy. Yeah, I don't know if a bison's going to get on the O'Shaughnessy. I think we could walk them right over to Chino's next to the Balboa Theater, which is a little below La Corneta for me, but in my top five San Francisco burritos. And they have a good veggie burrito. That's probably more realistic. Definitely. Uh, (laughs) Our official Animal of San Francisco experience is in its second week. We'll start our final four voting on Monday. The poll has been very good if you're a sea lion or parrot or bison. They're still alive. Not a good month for the seagulls. Technically, all the animals are still alive, Peter. They don't (laughs) die if they fail to move on to the next round. Some people are acting like it, though. The seagull (laughs) uh, elimination was very controversial. We had people defending the seagulls. We had people talking about the time that seagulls stole their sandwich at the San Francisco Zoo. It was pretty wild on Twitter. Yes, the Seagull fans on Twitter are adamant that they should have made it into the next round, but they did pretty badly. And I think it's because so many people have bad experiences with Seagulls, either being pooped on or having their lunch stolen. Yeah, the Seagulls are getting a reckoning right now. I love them, though. Love you, Seagulls. Any Seagulls that are listening. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure many are listening. I've always loved the bison, but I think I like the bison history even more. There have been escape attempts, a Diane Feinstein bison controversy, and a park superintendent who wanted to kill the bison for meat for the World War I war effort. Wild. Yes. I wish I could write about that. That would make a great headline. I'm trying to think like what Twitter would be like. Would that be bigger or smaller than the $1.7 million <laughs> bathroom? If only we could find out. Yeah. Well, I need to apologize for this episode. While you will hear no bison, there are a lot more cars than I wanted. This episode is a counterpoint to anyone who thinks that the bike and walking mafia completely eradicated cars in Golden Gate Park. Yes, there are still so many of them, and they all passed by as we are recording this episode. Every single car in San Francisco passes by. I'm going to do better 
through the rest of 2023 with my recording decisions. Nicole Meldahl and Bison Talk coming up. Check out the Western Neighborhoods Project lineup of history events, tours, and trivia at outsidelands.org. It's got nothing to do with the music festival. The podcast is Western Neighborhoods Project. You can check it out wherever you listen to Total SF. It's a great history podcast. I'm Peter Hartlob here with Heather Knight. Leave some extra garlic fries for the seagulls of Oracle Park on opening day. They've had a tough month. And this is Total SF. Thank you very much. Welcome back to Total SF, Nicole Meldahl. Thank you for having me. (laughs) We are in the heart of the Western neighborhoods in Golden Gate Park. Give us a definition of the Western neighborhoods. What's the boundaries? So I like to say it's the part of the city that you always think is too far to go for dinner. Um, (laughs) But it's everything west of Twin Peaks from the Presidio down to Daly City. That's a rough outline. Are you still discovering new things in that part of the city or do you just have it all down now and every single day I mean even when I was you know boning up on my notes for this podcast I found more things about bison wow than I had originally found when we recorded a video about it yeah you sent us a very 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 long google doc I started reading it but I was running late and I was like wow I'm gonna have to (laughs) set aside some time this is a lot of bison information you know history is always unfolding around us it's just our job to uh relentlessly research in the archives of the chronicle yeah well, um, before we get specifically to the bison, let's chat Golden Gate Park. Yep. If you have friends from out of town and two hours to spend in the park, where, what are you going to do besides obviously doing the audio tour that Peter and I recorded? It's available <laughs> on... It is available on Voice Map, GPS-enabled app. Uh, costs less than a burrito. You can go with a friend. <laughs> Each of you put one little uh, earbud in an ear, and then that we, won't will, be awkward at all. we will tell you where to go, and uh, it's a great tour. But besides that, what would you do? Oh, gosh, what would I do? You know, I'm not real outdoorsy. I'm more of an indoorsy kind of person. So I like the music concourse a lot because I I like to see all the kinds of people who go and hang out there. But I also love museums because I'm a giant museum nerd. So I love the De Young. I love the California Academy of Sciences. We've been spending a lot of time there because we have done recent episodes on Claude the albino alligator and Methuselah, the very ancient fish. Who's in the running? What animal are you uh, able to divulge? Well, as we're speaking on Monday, March 13th, is it? Sure. Um, <laughs> something like that. There are eight. The elite eight oh. are in the running. So bison are among the eight, of course. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the tops were sea lions, the wild parrots, clod. Yep. Crabs. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mission blue butterfly mm-hmm. and the garter snake. San Francisco garter snake. People like their it. native species. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then, um, yeah, and the bison. Um, Well, what do you think of the pandemic changes to the park? We're sitting now outside the bison paddock on JFK, which still has as many cars as ever. But a lot of JFK is now car-free, and there have been some other changes. Do you you like those? Oh, you're trying to get me to go on the record on this. Uh, Western Neighborhoods Project does not have an official opinion about street closures in the park, but um, it it seems like a beautiful thing that's happening on JFK Drive. Ben Davis has really been working overtime, I know. Um, and I love seeing the doggy diner heads yeah, more accessible. Those are so cute. Well, before we talk about bison, um, other kinds of animals in Golden Gate Park 
I'm surprised what's been here. Uh, <laughs> we were just over at Cal Academy and Monarch the Bear was here. Yeah. Goat rides, I know, from listening to the Western Neighborhoods Project podcast. If you know a little bit about the animal history thing and some things that were here and maybe aren't here anymore. Yeah, so there was um, a big elk glen where AIDS Memorial Grove is now. Um, so before there was a zoo, the zoo was, the zoo was formally established in 1922, thanks to Herbert Fleischecker, who was on the park commission and also very much loved animals. And animals kept appearing in the park over the years. Um, Fleischecker himself donated three elephants, whom he really loved. Um, and at a certain point, John McLaren, uh, my favorite curmudgeon park superintendent, <laughs> was like, this is not a great idea. Like, these are animals that need very specific care. And, like, our park police and myself are not those individuals. So he kind of put his foot down. We had a kangaroo. We had a big aviary. We had goats and donkey rides, things like that. He put his foot down when like lions and tigers and, and some of the oh my animals um, <laughs> started entering the conversation. And so that that really got the, the zoo, the formal zoo going. I think it's pretty cool there were kangaroos in Golden Gate Park. Yeah. Yeah, children's playground used to have a whole barnyard where you could like, you know, hang out with fuzzy animals that you could touch and things like that. So yeah. Well, bison history I was surprised how early they got here. Um, 1891 was when the first one arrived. And do you, do you know that bison's name? Yeah, Ben Harrison. <laughs> what, what was with that? What, what's the, where did Ben Harrison come from? That seems... You know, it seemed like they always tried to name the bison after notable figures, either national figures or um, local figures. And they always had bee names, I assume, because bee for bison. Um, but as as we've seen in the last few years, we loved naming things after presidents, right? <laughs> for better or for worse. So Ben Harrison was, I think, our 23rd president. Yeah. Not not one that, like, shows up in the history books. <laughs> I think he's probably in the last row at the Disneyland <laughs> Hall of Presidents. Yes. And actually, um, not, I'm sorry, San Francisco Chronicle people, the San Francisco Examiner was given the privilege of naming the first bison in Golden Gate Park. Well, that's an outrage. Yeah, except I'm so it was sorry. the first stoned examiner, so it's still our owners <laughs> right now. Yeah. It's kind of a little bit of a gray area. And they came up with Ben Harris. They did. The Chronicle would have come up with something way cooler. Yeah, well, yeah. And it's funny, There, there is, I don't know if you want to get into it right now, but there was, there was um, a newspaper feud that centered around the bison. Really? Yeah. So I guess the San Francisco Bulletin and the San Francisco Examiner like to throw shade at each other, um, which is delightful as a historian researching in the archives today. And um, the Bulletin editors made some comment about how Ben Harrison was kind of a mangy beast that um, he seemed kind <laughs> the of... The president or the bison? The, the bison. Bison. If I say Ben Harrison, I'm going to be okay. talking about the bison today. Um, that he was a paralytic that came from like bad stock back in uh, from C.G. Jones's ranch, and um, the San Francisco Examiner, probably because they've been able to name the bison, took offense to this and said, basically, why don't y'all put your money where your mouth is? We bet you five hundred dollars you won't get in the pen in the paddock with the bison and kick him. 
What? I know, right? And so... <laughs> Anytime people complain about the Chronicle now and like, you're wasting your time on, you know, Animal Month or whatever. Yeah. And the Bulletin responded by saying essentially like, we will one-up you and say, we'll give $3 to anybody in the public who will get in the paddock and kick a bison. And they followed this for a few months. This is like in March 1891. Um... And uh, I don't believe anybody got in there and kicked the bison. They interviewed some of the park commissioners who were aghast that, like, anyone would do this. Could you imagine if the Chronicle suggested that today? I mean, a lot of things I read in newspapers. I (laughs) I think that about in old-timey newspapers. But, yeah, don't worry. No no bison were harmed um, in the bet between both of them. And the third bison in Golden Gate Park, they let the bulletin, or they named it after um, a curmudgeon-y bulletin editor named Bill Bunker. So I feel like that's because the Park Commission was trying to even out this feud a bit. Well, through all this strife, uh, (laughs) it was was supposed to be a positive thing. I mean, this was a breeding program. There was a point to bison coming here. Yeah, so in the 18, uh, 1880s, 1890s, uh, bison were dramatically overhunted. I think millions, the number was millions between the 1860s and the 1880s. So there was a nationwide sort of environmentalist push to start conserving bison that were find, found in the wild. And so they decided to sort of capture this fading Western ethos here in Golden Gate Park. I'm sure much to McLaren's chagrin. Um, And so they approached a man named C.G. Jones, uh, who was out in Kansas City. And he had switched from actually providing bison for hunting to providing bison for breeding. Um, And part of the reason why, not to backtrack, but the, the railroads being expanded throughout the country at the time made it so much easier to hunt bison they were literally shooting whole herds at a time from the windows of a passing like like for sport like yeah. just you know you're riding on a train and that's one of the things you do you can go to the club car and get a drink or yep. you can point a rifle out and just shoot bison not for eating wow. not for eating no that's just awful. strictly for game um so so yeah in 1891 they they buy what was to become ben harrison he was like 350 bucks, and Wells Fargo paid for the shipping out here. When he got to San Francisco, which must have been a wild ride for the guy, um, they just like put him in the basement of Wells Fargo while they like waited <laughs> to get a truck to bring him to Golden Gate Park. And then they put him in the stable, the like regular park stables here. And then they were like, oh, that's not going to work. So they finally got him out into like a paddock where they were putting like sick animals at the time. Yeah, near Kizar Stadium, he was. They were with some elk. Yeah. I read in the Chronicle initially. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, did this breeding program work? Were we starting to get baby bison? How were things going in the late 1800s, early 1900s? Yeah, it did start to work. So um, they got Ben here, and then they were like the newspaper newspapers at the time talk about them wanting to have a family of bison in Golden Gate Park. It's very sweet. So they bring him a lady. Uh, they named her Sarah Bernhardt after a famous actress at the time. And Sarah didn't initially take to him. She was more into Billy Bunker. But um, <laughs> but they did end up getting along. And yeah, more and more bison are proliferating in Golden Gate Park. And um, John McLaren even makes a comment that, like, it's. I think this is around the 1895. It's going so well that they could probably start providing bison from the park for sport to hunt. 
we'll send them back to the planes, which was a totally okay approach at the time. Like, it sounds terrible now, and we would not do that now. But, um, but at the time, like, environmentalism was just a little bit different. <laughs> well, we can talk about some of the escape attempts later, but um, <laughs> as part of that, there were a lot of escape attempts, and there were a lot of problems, I know, keeping them in the pen. Yeah. And by 1918, John McLaren, who we should back up and say it's in our tour, and we've talked about him a little <laughs> bit, hugely influential man for San Francisco. I mean, was very much instrumental in making everybody live walkable from a park mm -hmm. in this city. And he also hated museums, yeah. statues, yeah. and apparently bison. Because <laughs> I read that in 1918, he suggested that bison be killed to provide meat for the war effort, which he quickly backtracked, but there are two headlines in the Chronicle. <laughs> and by the way, buried in like page 18, that would be like yeah. a page oh one God, like Heather Knight headline. column. I know. That'd be like the $1.7 million bathroom <laughs> times five if that happened now. But it was just like on page 18. Oh, this is one of my favorite stories we found. Also, this was nationwide news. Whenever something went on with our bison in Golden Gate Park, it was covered in Pennsylvania. It was covered in Utah, like uh, uh, nationwide news. Um, I've heard different stories, so at various times in the park bison's lifespan, they had too many bison, right? They needed to do something with them. And I've heard that with the war effort going on, that yes, like times were tough, and that perhaps some of the like more decrepit bison uh, could be used for meat to feed some of the other animals in the park, which is terrifying. Um, but I also heard that like there's been a consistent problem in keeping the bloodline fresh here because they're all just in one paddock breeding together. So like, you know, that's not great. Um, and that it was time for them to sort of refresh the bloodlines and they were trying to find creative solutions to that. Um, and I do, I don't, they did not feed them to the other animals in the park. Uh, they did end up from what I saw going to like a nice home, like in a ranch somewhere else in the state. But that could also be the, oh, we sent your dog to live on a farm. Yes. A uh, story that San Francisco was fed. I'm not sure. Fed. Uh, yeah. yeah. But I'm... <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Escape attempts, major ones in 1920, 1924, and 1940. I think 1924 was the one where just a bison physically overpowered the pen wall, charged through it, and there were dozens of bison out in the Richmond district for more than 24 hours. Like the police didn't know what to do with it. People waking up, going out, I don't know if they're getting their paper then or going out to water the tulips and the bison's like eating their flower bed. So, so I have actually Chronicle's coverage of the 1924 bison breakout 
We reported that a woman living at Fifth Avenue and Fulton Street reported a buffalo grazing on her lawn. That was the first report. Apparently the animals were dazed by street lamps. <laughs> so they were just kind of like wandering around through the night, not sure what to do. But when dawn broke, they started growing bolder and more aggressive. And here's a quote from the Chronicle. Hysterics and sobriety pledges followed in the wake of the animals after their escape last night and their unguided roamings through the residential districts. It cost the police reserves an all-night hunt before the escaped beasts were returned to their paddocks. Sounds like a lot of drama there. I mean, I would probably think I was drunk if I looked out my window and saw a bison. (laughs) Yeah, yes, definitely. Uh, Escape attempts. You've run across a few as well? I sure have. Um, This is like when you work as a historian, these are the stories that you hope for every day. Um, Yeah, it may have been some pranksters who cut a hole, like, you know, weakened the fence so that the bulls could get out. Um, But they did. They burst through at 10 p.m. one night. And then police started to get calls from Richmond District residents. One woman was like, hi, there's a large cow on my lawn. I I need someone to come get it. Like, no one knew what they were looking at, uh, which is hilarious. And they just, they were wreaking havoc all through. Like, I think 25 of them had gotten loose. There were still 12 of them, like, roaming around, unaccounted for. This is like a Pixar movie. That's so good. <laughs> I'm here for that. That would have been such a fun story to cover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, then it happened again and again and again. <laughs> yeah, 1940, there was a time where kids were following them as they're, like, bringing the bison from one place to the other, and the kids start making fun of the bison, and yeah. one of the bison escapes. We have photos of that. We, we sent a Chronicle photographer out. It's actually quite sad. It's out on Fulton. There's photos of them, you know, kind of lassoing the bison. I'm not a bison expert. I want to make that very clear. I'm a bison fan. Um, but if, if one of these bison to the right of us goes into cardiac arrest, we're sending you in. <laughs> You're the expert. No, sorry. Go we're ahead. all in trouble. <laughs> um, but bison are not buffalo. Something I learned in the research for this. Uh, buffalo are actually native to like Asia and Africa, and bison are native to North America. Oh. And they look totally different. So that was interesting. Um, the terms have been used interchangeably over the years. Yeah, Richard Blum gave a gift of bison to Dianne Feinstein, which ended up causing a great amount of chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I had mentioned earlier that every once in a while the bloodlines need to be refreshed. And by the 40s, the bison were very inbred and there was like rampant tuberculosis amongst the herd. Didn't even know bison could get TB. Um, And so by 1984... They were looking kind of mangy, not to borrow a bulletin um, phrase, but and Richard Bloom would jog by here all the time and look over and think like, oh gosh, these bison are not looking great. So he paid $10,000 for 12 new bison from, I believe, Montana. And By the way, that's a really good deal because the original bison <laughs> cost only $1,000. So, I mean, with inflation, he's getting a good deal on bison. Please continue, Nicole. Sorry. It's true. No, it's true. They were very economical. Um, and the the not so great bison that were here were not sold for meat to feed the animals in the zoo. They were actually taken to San Francisco City Jail in um, San Bruno where they were had plenty of room to graze and could be looked after by a veterinarian. And hmm. that was surprising for me to learn. That is very surprising. 
I like, I like that the San Bruno bison were named <laughs> after mayors, including there was a Diane Feinstein and Art Agnes. <laughs> wow. uh, and they also broke out uh, in 1995. So They broke out of jail? They broke out of jail, and then they finally sent them to a pasture later that year. And I think that's finally when they figured out that, like, the problem here is men. <laughs> we need an all-female herd, and I believe we have that now. Yeah. We do, yes. Um, it's not the first time we've tried to get rid of some of our, our unruly bulls, I guess, when Buffalo Cody came to town in 1902, 1903. We, we traded with him because our bull was... Uh, causing all kinds of trouble and we thought like well like buffalo cody's uh buffalo bills is probably fine he was not he was way worse um yes and it surprised me to learn that like we've been trading and selling and moving bison around for a really long time like herbert fleischecker gave two bison to a governor of uh, at a governor's conference that was here so there was a big presentation at Beach Chalet and he was like oh congratulations on all your work here are two of our bison <laughs> I uh, just want to say I think it's a weird present like if my <laughs> husband did a Richard Bloom thing and gave me <laughs> buffalo or bison I'd be like oh what <laughs> that's why uh, Diane Feinstein regifted it <laughs> well um, and that's not the only time he gave bison to Golden Gate Park in 2020, I think it was. Oh, there's been a recent gift. We got more bison. Um, maybe it was <laughs> earlier, but yeah, he spent 50000 this time wow. on some new bison. Do you remember the first time you realized there were bison in the park? Did you think it was strange when you first stumbled on that weird fact? Yes, absolutely. I was uh, just walking through the park and saw these fences, which were put in in like 27 or 2007 or something and thought, oh, what's in here? And then just saw one walk by. And I do think it's weird, but also it does feel natural in a way. I shouldn't say natural because they're penned in wild animals, but, um, and someone's going to send you guys an email because (laughs) of that. I know, but I do think there's something magical about having them accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, And Golden Gate Park in general is such a magical place. You're in the city and then you take two left turns and you're in the middle of this. What I think is actually doing pretty well by McLaren's intent of like this open space where you can be surprised at all times. They're right across from the Angler's Lodge and the casting pools, which I found right after that, which was also completely bizarre. It's all these different like outdoor recreation opportunities are right next to each other, but hidden in plain sight as well. And um, so it was surprising, but it also felt totally right that there would be bison in Golden Gate Park. Um, Well, I I wanted to ask you just like go away from the bison for a minute and just ask what's new with the Western Neighborhoods Project. And you've had a really exciting uh, 2022 with the Cliff House, but um, just where you guys are at right now. Where are we at right now? So we still have the clubhouse on Balboa and 17th, um, where all the Cliff House collection went, except for a few of the big pieces. So... Um, We're gearing up for our public programs. We're starting our history walks again. Uh, Our first one was rained out this past weekend, but but we're getting them going again. We celebrate 24 years with a, we're doing a big birthday party at the Balboa Theater. I think you two are familiar Uh, on May 16th. So the announcement for that is forthcoming. It'll be a live podcast recording. We're very excited about that. 
Um, and in general, we've got we've just got a lot of programs coming up. We're also doing a uh, Fort Point beer collaboration. We're doing Trivia Night, uh, San Francisco neighborhood-themed trivia. Our first one's going to be in April at the Little Shamrock, which is a Sunset District uh, institution, just a historic, incredible space. So it'll be myself leading that. Come, drink, take your best guesses. Don't worry, we've structured it so that you you will succeed. Um, (laughs) I write a lot about history, and I'm always thinking about feeding the people who want to bathe in nostalgia, maybe some of the people who lived with it, with exciting people who are new to this region and I've found in the last 15 years it seems to me like there's an increasing amount of people who have come here and want to know the history I think you're even closer to that because you're seeing more people face to face than I do I'm curious what you've seen in terms of trends and what you're thinking when you're thinking of kind of balancing those two things yeah so the the two main groups that our organization serves are locals who grew up here and who want to talk about their favorite ice cream store that may or may not still be there. But then we've got all these new folks who are coming in and people throw a lot of shade at the newbies. Um, I'm not from here. I get a lot of a lot of flack for that. LA. I know. Uh, we've talked about it. I know. Um, <laughs> but everyone's curious about what's going on with their neighborhood. And more people are moving out to the west side since they don't have to commute downtown as much mm-hmm. anymore. Um, I, I do see an uptick in young people, young people meaning like in their 30s here. But I've also found that if you ask someone, hey, are you into history? They'll be like, not really. And then you'll be like, hey, are you into this really weird story about bison escaping from Golden Gate Park? And they're like, oh, yes, I'm into that. I heard that on the Total SF podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So it's all about how you convey the stories that you tell. And so, um, and that's what we've been about since the very beginning, since we were started in 99. So telling our stories in pubs, telling our stories at the Cliff House, things like that, mm-hmm. like surprising people. Uh, they're always excited to learn things, even if they have to find it accidentally or we have to feed them beer uh, <laughs> <laughs> to sneak in some of the uh, vegetables of history. <laughs> So bison made our Elite Eight in the official animal of San Francisco contest. Can you make a case for bison as the official animal of San Francisco? I actually, I don't think they should be. Oh, I'm so well, sorry. This is a... That's okay. The National Park Service uses it as their official animal on so much of their like signage and things. I think it's too big of a conflict. Mm. Um, but to pick another animal that lives in Golden Gate Park, I'm here for Claude. Okay. Oh, I'm super here for Claude. Um, I I have I've loved him since they tried to give him a lady friend and she beat Bonnie. him up. Yeah. yeah. And, and didn't he go lost well. a toe in that. Yes. See, he's 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 put in his time here. <laughs> I think he's given San Francisco his toe. The least we can do. And Bonnie got shipped back to Florida. I know. Yeah. I'm sorry, Bonnie. Well, Bonnie kind of you know she, she, she made it. her decisions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if someone forced you to mate with someone, you'd probably bite off his toe too. Well, my, maybe that was the issue. What they say at the academy was that they were fighting over the heated rock. <laughs> maybe I mean, we'll never know. As someone who has a drafty house in San Francisco, I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Well, thank you so much for coming out to the bison paddock with us. I'm very disappointed no bison came <laughs> to come on the program, but we got a lot of great facts from you. Um, tell us again, people want to check out Trivia Night, 
the movie, open SF history? What are the best ways for people to kind of connect with Western Neighborhoods Project? We're such a branding nightmare, but um, Western Neighborhoods Project on Eventbrite is the easiest way where you can follow us and get immediate updates on when our new programs are listed. Uh, we do have a podcast. We're on Spotify. It's called Outside Land San Francisco. No we are not the music festival a music festival took our name from us um but it's a weekly podcast not as not as good as yours but you know we do it's our awesome. best it's um, awesome i learned so much i save them for long road trips and then i do like back to back to back and love it <laughs> most people yeah. say they they listen to it while they're doing chores which i appreciate <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for teaching us about the bison thanks for having me it's always a blast to be with you too Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our music today is from the Sunset Shipwrecks, Castro organ player David Hegarty, and cable car bell ringing from eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com pod.